Welcome back. My name is Bill Messinetti. I'm from New York Orchestra's Entertainment. For those of you who are about to get married or are planning a wedding in the near future, we're here today to offer some helpful advice, some knowledge, and insight into the wedding business. In our last episode, we were interviewing Carmine Cole. My name is Carmine Cole, and I am Private Functions Director at Hill Dean, the Lincoln Family Home in Manchester, Vermont. Carmine, it's great to have you back. Uh, thanks, Bill. It's a pleasure to be here today. It's my pleasure to have you, and I'd like to continue with some topics that we didn't cover last time. One interesting thing was in our last conversation, you had said that you uh, went to a conference where they actually focused on timelines, developing timelines. And that's an, an area that is always a conversation that I have with my wedding couples. They're always asking about timelines, about the flow of the wedding. And, and this is actually where our jobs meet head on. Caterer, band leader, this is where our job starts. Uh, so, so let's talk about developing timelines. Timeline is probably one of the most important things on a wedding day. It is a roadmap for how the day is going to play out. Now, mind you that it is a just a template. It's just sort of a guideline as timelines do have a tendency to live and breathe and grow in their own right, depending on the day and the event. That's absolutely true. And I always tell people when we're developing timelines, I'm not really a timeline kind of guy. I'm more of a format kind of guy without any times attached to it. And the reason why I like to work like that is because I'm really responding to the food service. So your timeline for the food service is more important than my timeline as to when the band starts and stops because I'm going to be 100% flexible because I don't know how long the filet mignon takes to cook. I don't know how long it takes to, to get 200 cups of coffee ready to be served and so on and so forth. So I'm always following the caterer's lead. And lots of times the client will say, hey, you know what? My caterer said they want to leave the timeline up to you. So then I will implement a timeline based upon my experience as a band leader, how I've seen weddings flow. And that changes from venue to venue. I always ask for the flexibility of, and like you said, it lives and breathes. Don't look at your watch when you're at your wedding and say, it's 930, where's the main course? Just relax, have a good time, leave the flow of the wedding up to everyone else and just have fun because four or five hours will go by in a flash. So go ahead, continue with your timeline. As I said, it's very important. It's part of the flow of the day. Uh, But you also have to take into a fact that it is a a dance. It is an orchestration of food, music, people. It can vary, but uh, a good planner will take into account all of these factors to produce a smooth flowing day. So when you're developing a timeline, obviously you have your preconceived ideas of how you normally do business. Now, one of the things that always comes up with me is people say to me, you know what, I I want my people to dance. I want my guests to dance as much as possible. And, you know, I've been to weddings and the band or the DJ takes too many breaks or they, you know, there's too many interruptions for ceremonious things. We're dancing and then the next thing you know, we're cutting the cake. I always talk to people about what I do generally see what do you generally see what's the flow like let's move past the ceremony and cocktail hour dinner reception let's say it's four hours from 7 p.m to 11 p.m 7 p.m the guests are walking into the room what's your idea of what happens after that 
Well, I think this is also something that the caterer really has a lot of influence over. And as you mentioned, it does take a while to put 200 coffee cups out. It does take a while to put 200 salads out. So this is where... Uh, you have to work closely with a caterer because obviously you want your food hot and fresh, balanced with uh, entertainment and other. Right. And and in your case, the caterer is a separate company, right? Yes. Pangea? We have an exclusive caterer at Hildeen. It's Pangea Restaurant of North Bennington. Uh, they do our events and have been our exclusive now for eight years. If they've been exclusive for eight years, then I've been there. I've been playing there at least 10 years because I remember when they weren't exclusive and I remember when they became exclusive. Wow, time flies. The the benefit of having an exclusive caterer uh, for Hildeen is that they're aware of our protocols for load in, load out. Their team is also very cognizant of our museum and historic status and very respectful of the property, which is very, very helpful. And on top of that, their service staff is absolutely amazing. I've worked with them many times, and you're not exaggerating at all. But again, I don't want to turn this into an ad, and it's great to let people know because I've had nothing but great experiences with them. And Nick, who runs Pangea, he's a fun guy. He's an easygoing guy, and he's got a lot of energy. I love working with him. But the reason why I mentioned uh, Hildeen being separate as a property from the catering is because in most places that I go to, it's one entity. So you're not dealing with a separate entity. So when they are talking to the director of catering, they're talking to you and they're talking to Nick at the same time, right? Yes. So what I find as far as timelines go is that just that here's a typical timeline if just off the top of my head. 7 p.m., band's playing, doors open, people walk in, they're finding their seats, they're seeing, hey, you know, they're seeing, oh, look who's sitting at my table or who's sitting next to me, and there's all that going on, and there's a lot of milling about, and so that takes about 15 minutes before people actually find their way to their seats. About 7.15, we're introducing the bride and groom. Sometimes it's a bridal party in addition to the bride and groom. Sometimes it's just the bride and groom. They come out, they do their first dance. At that point, we could either add the guests halfway through or we could let them dance alone. That's the bride and groom's option. Do a short dance set, two or three songs, depending upon the caterer when he's ready with that first course. So at this point, now we're looking at 7.30, 7.40, somewhere in that range. Sit everybody down. Dad does the welcome speech. Best man, maid of honor, do toasts couple of minutes to eat your salad or whatever your first course is bands back on and we're dancing we're partying we're dancing full-blown party till dinner dinner's served we leave a couple of musicians up to play lighter music that the bride and groom requested that's not danceable people are still entertained singing music nice relaxing dinner dinner is probably served would you say an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes into the party like seven I mean, 8.30, 8.45, somewhere in that range, would you say? Yeah, that sounds perfect. So let's say there's 20 minutes or so, depending upon how many guests you have. That The timeline changes according to how many guests you have, too, because if you have 120 guests or if you have 250 guests, that's a different amount of service, right? It is. Or the, the service staff has to be larger in order to facilitate speed right so you're into 9 15 ish 
Everybody's back dancing, full-blown party again. Give them about an hour of dancing. Take a short cake-cutting parent dance moment there. Bride and groom cut their cake. Bride dances with dad. Groom dances with mom. We're partying the rest of the night. So we try to keep any kind of uh, interruptions of the dancing to a minimum, but we keep people entertained, you know, live music always. I always tell people, if you book an eight-piece band, unless you're eating one of those three dinner courses, first course, main course, coffee and dessert, you have an eight-piece band on the stage. And when you're eating one of those courses, there's some people playing lighter music that's not danceable, so we keep the party going. Is there anything else you want to add to Timeline? Just that, uh, as you mentioned, and I mentioned earlier, is that you shouldn't look at your watch and say, oh, my God, it's 930. Where is that? Where is that brownie course? Uh, it does have to live and breathe a little bit. It, it does ebb and flow a little bit. But it's a good idea to have a, a template from which to go to. All right. Good stuff. Just uh, as a footnote, do you guys still do that, uh, that Ben and Jerry's ice cream truck? <laughs> yes you do ben and jerry's is on call <laughs> for all of it i know the guys in the band like that especially uh our female vocalist she she's uh she loves that 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 ice cream so she loves to she's like can we get a break for the ice cream i say well it's not in the timeline sorry go to ben and jerry's <laughs> later <laughs> there's always time for ice cream uh, yeah let's talk about introductions so I had a couple that called me, and they were asking me about introductions. There's two separate int- uh, sets of introductions for a wedding. There's a ceremony introduction. So in other words, as people are w- coming down the aisle to get married for the wedding, re- uh, wedding ceremony. And then there's the bridal party introduction going into the dinner reception after the cocktail hour. And by the way, I called one day and I got Sheila on the phone and she was the perfect person to help me with this because usually when there's a ceremony going on, I'm with the road crew um, overseeing the setting up of our sound system, our lighting and our musical equipment. So I'm not usually walking everyone through the ceremony. Uh, I know you and Sheila are there. So give everyone an idea of how would you line up the people for the ceremony in what order? That's a very good question. Your processional and recessional are also key factors. And at Hildeen, we like to start with the officiant. Send the officiant down first. That way it lets all the guests know that, hey, it's going to start. We're ready. Uh, After that, I like to send the grandparents of uh, bride and groom and then the parents so they can walk down. When you said the parents, you're talking about the parents of the groom, right? Parents of the groom first. Correct. Yes. Grandparents and parents of the groom. And then depending on how bride and groom want to do it, I've seen it a couple of ways where the bridesmaids and groomsmen will pair off and walk down together. But quite honestly, I like to send a um, groomsman down first and then the bridesmaids and then the best man and um, maid of honor. And then I like to send the groom, and then lastly, the bride and her father, and mother or both, depending on how they want to do it. Okay, perfect. And just to let everyone know, every family has different dynamics as far as sometimes there's deceased people, sometimes there's divorces. So that changes the dynamics. So you can 
put anyone in any order you want, but this is a standard if all the parents are there and all the parents are getting along and the grandparents and everybody and, and everybody's okay with walking down. That's the general order. That's that's a perfect case scenario, yes. Right. And Bill, I think you brought up a very good point, is this is sort of a, a standard. This is kind of what we try to do. But here again, uh, the new normal is to do what you feel. You should send them down in the order that you would like to have. Uh, we're not hard and fast on these rules. We make a suggestion. But here again, it's the bride's day. She's going to, we want her to uh, to have the flexibility to send who she wants when she wants them down. And that's why I think that you and I get along so well in that we are both flexible. We're both not hardened in our ways. And I always tell people, I, I've been doing this for 20 years, and I don't just say that because I've got 20 years doing this, don't worry, I'm going to do your wedding. No, I say I have 20 years experience doing this. I've done it every which way possible. Tell me how you want it to be done, and I could make it work. Same thing with song lists. People always ask, who decides what songs are played at my wedding? And it's up to you. It's your wedding. I know there are some bands out there that uh, don't have that flexibility. There are some bands out there that'll say, look, this is our set list. That's what we play. And that's it. We're way more flexible than that. This is the way I look at it. Even if your brother or sister gets married, your wedding is different than your brother or sister's wedding. Why? You may have, let's say it's an 150-person wedding. Well, let's say you have 50 people that are going to go to both your, your wedding and your brother or sister's wedding, right? There's another 100 people that are from your friends, your spouse's family, your spouse's friends, friends you have in common. So even f when family members get married, there's mostly not the same people at this wedding. So how could it be that the music is going to be the same? that the music, the same songs are going to work at that wedding as the other wedding? I believe no is the answer to that question. It's not going to be that way. So you have to have the flexibility to adjust to who's in front of you. And I think that I, from my experience with you, I've seen you do that too, where you, you're not hardened and you're not stuck on your way of doing things. That's how you have to be today. I think you have to be flexible because times have changed. It's not like 20 years ago or, you, or, or longer where there was a protocol of how a wedding went, and that's it. Just a, a quick a quick side note. Uh, one of the things that uh, we do like to insist on at uh, Hildeen, as we are in a uh, formal English garden, so to speak, is that we like to send uh, the couples down with the woman on the gentleman's left arm. And you know why we do that? No, I don't. Here's why. Back in the day of uh, knights and King Arthur and the round table. Mm -hmm. Most of the knights were right-handed, so they kept their women on their left arm so they could draw their sword with the right and protect their lady. You know, I always keep my wife on my left side, and now I could explain to her why. <laughs> that's, that's why. Because <laughs> your sword is usually on your left side, and you pull it from your right. <laughs> and there, that, there is why you want her on your left. There we go. Yeah, fun little fact today. Yeah. So what about finances? I don't want to get into what it costs to have a wedding, but in terms of percentages and deposits and things like that, what would someone who is planning a wedding expect to put down as a deposit, let's say, and what kind of payment schedule would they have? For me, for instance, when people book my band, 
or DJ or lighting or whatever the package is, they usually give us a 25% deposit and then we make it so that they don't have to give us any other money until three months before the wedding and, that, and they'll pay 50%. And then usually the week of the wedding is the remaining 25%. So it's like 25, 50, 25. Do you do something similar or what, what's your payment plan like? Hildeen's policy is that we normally will take a 50% deposit when you book the venue to, to hold your, your date, if you will, with a sign. Just to clarify, I'm sorry to interrupt, but now again, referring to the fact that you have a separate caterer, some places people are going and spending $50,000 on a caterer and they're not giving a 25% deposit. You're, you're saying 50% of the venue cost, right? The site fee at Hildeen. Site fee, right. And then I require the other payment six months before the wedding. Okay, so, so it's 50% when you book and 50% six months before the wedding. Correct. Right. Okay. And therefore, all the more reason, just to kind of tie back to our first topic of conversation in part one of this podcast when we were talking about the coronavirus, if your wedding is within six months, you're, you've already paid 100% of that site fee. You don't want to cancel your wedding. You want to have your wedding. Yes, absolutely. And in this uh, economic uh, climate we're in right now, Bill, I'm going to say that I've been very flexible with clients on either pushing their um, dates to later in the year or to next year without any penalties or fees at all. Uh, we understand this and uh, we certainly don't want to add any uh, excess or have other clients incur other costs uh, as a result of something that's completely out of our control. And I'm in 100% agreement with you on that. I'm doing the same with my clients. There's certainly not going to be a penalty for someone who's postponing their wedding because of this catastrophe we have at, at our hands. Uh, we want to try to make it this, as seamless as possible to just change the date on the contract. And that's exactly what our philosophy is as well. But this brings up another interesting point, Bill, and I want to talk about that for just one second, is wedding insurance. Uh-huh. Wedding insurance uh, is something you should look into for your wedding or planning your particular day. It is an additional expense. But if you think about the money you'd be spending on your venue, your catering, your florist, your band, your videographer, your photographer, it's a fair amount of money these days to have all of these people participate in your wedding, which is all the more reason to spend that extra money to get wedding insurance. So what actually is wedding insurance? What does it cover and where do you get it? Uh, wedding insurance should cover any expenses you incur as a result of anything happening to your wedding. If it's Let's say the let's say the caterer goes out of business all of a sudden. As an example, um, it could be a weather-related incident, a hurricane. And here again, you'll have to read the fine print on these contracts and ask questions with your insurance agent, or if you can do some research online to find out uh, what these policies uh, do in fact cover. This is also one of those planning things. It takes a little time. It will require some work but it could save you a lot of money in the long run if something happens. Actually, that's a very good point you brought up because when these disasters happen, we think about them for a little while and then we forget. For instance, I was contracted to do a wedding during a hurricane in Philadelphia, 
it was August of 2011, I believe it was. And I could be wrong about the date, but that's what I'm thinking it was right now. And there was a hurricane in Philadelphia. The client called up and said, the wedding's on. And I said, you're kidding. And they said, no, the wedding is on. So I said, well, look, if we're going to drive to Philadelphia from New York City in a hurricane and we're going to come in and we're going to set up our equipment, the musicians are going to have to get paid no matter what happens after, after that point. And they agreed. They said, it's fair. So we did. We drove to Philadelphia. Some of our equipment got damaged in the process of just loading in. It was, the rain was so bad. We went in, we set up, and we started playing. Literally, the mayor of Philadelphia's office called and said, the whole city has been shut down. No one's allowed to drive. We know you're having a wedding. We're going to give you two hours, and the wedding's over, and you have to leave the premises. So it was a very sticky situation to be involved in, and I wouldn't want to go through it again. And if those people had insurance, they would probably would have postponed the wedding instead of putting not only us, but everyone, they were the guests. You know, think about if you're a guest at, at a wedding and it's, there's a hurricane outside, right? So you're risking lives to go to this wedding. And I'm sure a lot of people didn't show up. But anyway, I, point being that things do happen. It could be even something simple as a blackout or a loss of power or a tree fell on the venue, or there could be any number of things that could hinder a event to take place. And here again, do your research and do yourself a favor and peace of mind and look into wedding insurance. Uh, They insure people all the time for these things. And with that information, that brings us to the conclusion of our podcast. Once again, I'd like to thank Carmine Cole from Hill Dean, and that's Hildeen in Manchester, Vermont. If you'd like more information about Hildeen, you can go to hildeen.com. That's H-I-L-D-E-N-E.com. And if you'd like more information about our services, you can go to nyorchestras.com. Thank you. We appreciate you, the listener. Until next time, this is Bill Messinetti. Everybody, be healthy, be safe.